so much better Why things still so bad If everybody's supposed to be happy Why folks so damn mad If we miss out on the good times We were told that we had Yeah, everything is so much better Why things still so bad
Well, hello there, and welcome to the podcast called The Countdown of the Sins It Will Do You In from the Church of Common Sense. I am Brother Chuck, of course, and we kick off the countdown each and every week with our top five sins of the week. You know them well. Ignorance, arrogance, pride, deception, greed, laziness, apathy, and the eighth sin that masquerades as a disease, hypocrisy. We won't stop until we get to number one this week, and we always begin with number five. And the number five sin of the week is the sin of deception. Riddle me this. Are you feeling better? Are you happy? Do you feel good about the state of the world, about the state of the economy? You don't? Well, it could be because you've been deceived. And guess who's to blame? Yes, our good friends in the government. The government is touting growth and saying that everything is better. You should be feeling good looking forward to tomorrow because the government is going to take care of everything. And you, like the song says, may be asking yourself, if everything is so much better, why are things still so bad? So let's talk about this sin of deception, and growth that the government is touting. Where is the growth coming from? It's coming from you and I. That's right. More jobs were added last quarter, thanks to us. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the government is touting growth, low unemployment, great jobs report, And the six-week United Auto Workers strike against the big three Detroit car makers was the primary culprit in the automotive manufacturing sector actually losing 33,000 jobs. Soon, of course, they'll go back to work after the strike. And, of course, when the guys go back to work, strike numbers will go up, adding a false sense of security to things and saying, hey, we added 33,000 people to the rolls. Now, just remember this. When the next quarter rolls around and all those auto workers aren't striking, You're going to see the auto industry had a major hire of 33,000 people. Yeah, the 33,000 people that weren't working while they were striking. All right. On the flip side of the coin, though, there has been job growth. But where is it coming from? Well, 58,000 jobs came from the healthcare industry. Now, I want you to think about this. What supports the healthcare industry? You and I. Insurance claims, Medicaid, Medicare, all those people that weren't working and had been on unemployment because of COVID. You know, COVID is still going on. It's three years old now, but it's still going on. Well, a lot of those people went back to work. So the healthcare industry saw 58,000 jobs last quarter. Guess who was number two in job creation? The government. That's right. The government. The government added 51,000 jobs last quarter. And the government is touting job growth. Because the government created some jobs, 51,000 of them to be exact, to grow the economy. Now, uh, where does the government's money come from? Yeah, take a look in the mirror. Hi there. Your back pocket is supporting those government jobs. Your back pocket, my back pocket's coming right out of our money. So anytime the government needs to grow the economy, they just 
create a few new jobs, 51,000 of them, as a matter of fact. Now, the third largest employer to grow jobs during the period was construction. Of course, remember, now we're coming off summer. A lot of those jobs were part-time construction jobs, seasonal jobs, 23,000 positions from construction workers. That's good. That's a good thing because that helps the economy. That means something is being built or repaired. So you had 23,000 real jobs created, 51,000 the government created for themselves, and then there's 58,000 in the healthcare industry that you and I are paying for one way or another, either through our insurance or through our contributions to Medicaid, Medicare, whatever. All right? But then, if everything is so much better, why are things still so bad? Probably hadn't heard about this, but the company Maersk, You spell that M-A-E-R-S-K. If you happen to see any of those shipping things, those big shipping boxes that you see on trains going by, next time you see a freight train roll by, you'll notice a lot of those shipping containers have Maersk on the side of them, M-A-E-R-S-K. They're a Dutch company, uh, a a Danish, I should say, uh, shipping company. Well, they posted a 92% drop in profits last quarter and decided that Dad, they had to do something. So Maersk cut 10,000 jobs. Now, this is never going to be reported because they're a Danish company and it won't be reported on the U.S. economy. But will it affect things around here? (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Maersk moves goods all over the world. Now, the fact that they have shed 10,000 jobs and seen a 92% drop in profits is a bit concerning. Because global trade going into next year will all of a sudden start tanking. And even though, like I said, these 10,000 jobs were technically to a Danish company, even though I'm sure they employ people right here in the good old U.S. of A., it's not going to show up on the unemployment records of the United States. Part of the reason is, in order to get business back after the pandemic, Maersk had to lower the cost of shipping. The cost of shipping one of those 40-foot containers from China the West Coast, places like uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego, something like that, dropped from 16000 to less than $2,000 in just one year. And they did that to get the business back. So Maersk loses 10,000 jobs. The government creates 51,000 jobs. But everything is hunky-dory. And you'll be asking yourself, well... If everything is so much better, why are things still so bad? It's because, my friends, you have been deceived by your good friends at the federal government. And the hits just keep on coming. Brother Chuck here from the pulpit of the Church of Common Sense. From the pulpit of the Church of Common Sense, we count down Brother Chuck's top sins that will do you in each and every week. We also take a break to talk sports with our friend in high places, traffic reporter I.B. High, who has a look at football predictions for week number 10. I.B., how'd you do last week? Well, Chucky, baby, week number nine was barely victorious for I.B. Barely? Yeah, I squeaked by with an eight and six record last week. A lot of surprises. Yeah, it is. That's the way it goes when you get this far down in the season. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, yeah. I really should have been nine and five. Why? And I have known that Taylor Swift <laughs> was going to get on the airplane and make it all the way to Germany to watch Travis Kelsey. I would have picked the Chiefs over the Dolphins. All right, I mean. Nonetheless, yeah. 
I'm still on board with the fans. Mm. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if we don't see them in the championship race when this is all said and done, Chucky, baby. All right, very good. All right, we got another game on the other side of the pond this Sunday morning. We'll get to that in just a little bit. We'll start off with the Thursday night game. Yep. And strangely, mm-hmm. all of the teams I'd be picking this week have one thing in common. Really? I'll tell you about that in just a minute. All right, then. All right? Yeah. First, though, let's get to Thursday night. Let's do it. Going to be a good way to start off the week. Okay. If you like boy football. What? Talk about two horrible teams. Huh? The Chicago Bears oh. at 2-7 and seven yeah. are taking on the Carolina Panthers. We're hoping to be 2-7, and seven, but are right now 1-7. and seven. Right. Chuggy, mm-hmm. this would be a night to watch a PBS special <laughs> rather than this game. But nonetheless, since IB has to pick it, uh-huh. and even though I hate Chicago, uh-huh. I still think they're going to win this weekend at home. Bears to win. Thursday being the start of the weekend, okay. as we all know. There you go. All right. Mm-hmm. On to the game across the park. Let's do it. The New England Patriots, who are also 2-7, and seven, right. take on the Indianapolis Colts, who are 4-6. What do you think? Yeah, lucky for Europe to get another bunch of losers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Idea. New England is seen as the home team. Mm-hmm. It won't matter none. But IB says in a squeaker, yeah. you can look for Belichick's squad to pull this one out. Okay. All right. On to the rest of the games now. Let's do it. Bengals at home against the Texans. All right. Cincinnati looking a little bit better every week. Okay. Go with the Bengals there. Bengals to win. Steelers at home against the Packers. Pittsburgh. Go with the Steelers against Green Bay All right. in their own hometown. Let's do it. Tampa Bay mm-hmm. at home against Tennessee. Uh-huh. Put your money on the Buccaneers with that one. All right. Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Can you believe Jacksonville is 6-2? and two? Looking good. They at home against San Francisco, right. who has dropped to 5-3. and three. Right. And San Francisco, who started out looking pretty good, mm-hmm. eh, looking pretty iffy right now. So put your money on Jacksonville at home. Okay. The Baltimore Ravens at home against the Cleveland. Cleveland Browns. Right. You know, the Baltimore Ravens at one time were the Cleveland Browns. That's right. Easy pick with this one. Uh-huh. Got to go with Baltimore there. I'm seeing the trend. Arizona Cardinals, 1-8 yeah. and against the Atlanta Falcons, okay. who looked better at the start of the season mm-hmm. and still look pretty good. But in this battle of the birds, yeah. I say since it's in Phoenix, uh-huh. go with Arizona badly, maybe a field goal or less. I'm seeing the trend. All right. Dallas Cowboys yeah. at home against the New York Giants. Uh-huh. IB says Dak is not getting near about the respect he deserves. Uh-huh. He'll get a little more at home this weekend when the Cowboys beat the Giants at home. Okay. Seattle Seahawks at home against the Commodores from Washington late Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Give that one to Seattle. Yeah. Vegas Raiders, who have done everything they can to try to get a win, except for send pictures of their teammates to Taylor Swift. Watch it. Fired the coach, got rid of the manager, mm-hmm. at home against the Jets. Yep. Jets still hoping Aaron will come back eventually, but not this week. So, in Vegas, give that one to the Raiders. Okay. And on Monday night, yep. the Buffalo Bills at home against the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Buffalo looked better than IB thought they would last week, but not good enough to win. Right. IB says they'll win at home against the Denver Broncos. Okay, then. And yes, let's get to the Saints game. Please. Saints, believe it or not, mm-hmm. looked good last week. Yeah, they did. This week, they're on the road in Minnesota. Uh-huh. And so, for that reason, yes. IB goes with Minnesota. Really? In case you hadn't guessed by now, uh-huh. IB is picking all of the hometown teams to win. I've noticed it. Except for one. Which is it? And who is that one? Yes. Well, the Detroit Lions. Really? That's right. Mm. Lions have got to travel out to L.A. to take on the Chargers. Uh-huh. Chargers look better each week, but the Lions are man. Six and two. Yeah. I.B. says the Lions will be the only road team to eke home a victory this here week. You think? All right. Uh-huh. So bet on the home teams except for the Lions and uh, the Patriots. Yeah. After uh, Let me tell you, if they lose this one, they might want a new home in Europe when it's all said and done. <laughs> all right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Boston might pack up a move-in van for Belichick. Okay, I'll be. All right, there you go. Mm-hmm. I'm behind the sky. You should be too. Yes. Ah, so.
my Japanese speaking Chinese pilot. Check it out. <laughs> All right, IB. Picking the home teams this week. And we will get back to the countdown of Brother Chuck's sins that will do you in. Thanks for checking us out here on the weekly podcast of the Church of Common Sense. We continue now with our countdown of the sins that will do you in. And then we're up to sin number four here on the Church of Common Sense. Brother Chuck from the pulpit. And we talk about the sin of pride. Yes, you've heard me say before, hey, if you're proud of what you're doing, just keep on doing it. But don't be upset when somebody does it to you. And that's exactly what is happening in Israel. Israel has a program that is the answer to what we know in the United States as Saturday Night Live. And the Israeli version of Saturday Saturday Night Live, I should say, is pulling no punches, taking aim at the college campuses in America. You see, the Jewish people have a very keen sense of what's going on in the United States, but they also have a great sense of humor. And the satirist with the Israeli version of Saturday Night Live <laughs> are taking pot shots at the American snowflake college kids like you wouldn't believe. The show, which translated into English means a wonderful country, is called Eretz Neheret, I think. It's Eretz Neheret. It is viewed by about 30% of the Israeli population the ones at least that own television sets. And the latest skit is taking a direct aim at the college campus protests going on in the United States. You know, a lot of the big-name Ivy League colleges, a lot of the East Coast colleges are pride in the fact that, you know, they're letting people speak out against the Jewish people and against the Israelis in support of what's going on with the Hamas and the radical terrorist group that has attacked the uh, country of Israel. So one student laughed about it, saying, everyone is welcome to any university in America. LGBTQH. (laughs) They call their university Columbia (laughs) Utisimity. A parody of students at Columbia University. The H... (laughs) stands for Hamas. So, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and Hamas, the LGBTQH community. And this is the parody that's going on in Israel. And let me tell you, the Israelis are flocking to TVs to laugh their ass off at how silly the American universities and how open-minded, quote-quote, they have supposedly become. Uh, The two students on the program can be seen tearing down posters of kidnapped Israelis, one declaring, Jews make the world dirty, but then quickly noting, I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm racist fluid. (laughs) Two hosts of the program proceed to interview a fictitious Hamas spokesperson, but fail to notice that the spokesperson is leaving Homa is leveling homophobic slurs at them, I should say. The producer of the show spoke to CBS News in Tel Aviv and said he was motivated to write the sketch after becoming aware and seeing social media footage of American students tearing down posters of Israeli hostages. I mean, can you believe this? 
we look like idiots overseas and the Israelis are laughing at our college students. There has been a dramatic spike of Islamophobia and anti-Semitism on the American college campuses over the past month. This uptick comes in the aftermath of the bloody uh, attack on Israel by Hamas October 7th. Israel claims more than 1,500 dead now that they know of. Uh, then, of course, the Israeli subsequent war on the Islamic militant group has supposedly left more than 11,000 dead in a heavily bombarded Gaza Strip. So, if you do the numbers, who's winning this situation? 1,400 dead Israelis, 11,000 dead in the Gaza Strip. I think it pretty much speaks for itself. Um, the producer says the show did the sketch in English in an effort to reach an American audience and start a more basically open-minded conversation online, saying, look, this is kind of a complicated conflict. It's not this, you know, Israel's evil and Palestinians are victims. It's a little more complicated than that. And uh, it, it needs to be seen by the American college student as such. Uh, he said he's not saying Israel hadn't done anything wrong, but the one-sided way that many of the attendees on U.S. college campuses are perceiving the conflict is amazing. And some of the people, he says, elected officials in the United States supporting this really are, are getting thumbed at by the Israeli people. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Pride. The pride of American campuses to let children use daddy and mommy's money to go to school and blast the Jewish people and the Israelis for responding to the attack on their people and saying, do away with Jews and do away with Israel. And what is Israel doing? They're laughing at us. Just remember, if you're proud of what you're doing, just keep doing it. But don't be upset when somebody turns around and does it to you. Brother Chuck here from the pulpit of a Church of Common Sense. Our top three sins of the week coming up. Now if you're proud of what you've done to someone else, don't come crying when they do it to you. Turn about is fair play. What goes around comes back around. If you ain't the only one who can do what you can do. So before you go telling everybody everything that you have done and to who. If you're proud of what you've done to someone else, well, don't come crying when they do it to you. Now just because your ego needs a stroking, don't go bragging on your ability. I don't believe in backpats or go passing out out of boys for something that you've done that you got paid a salary. Don't tell me what you did, just keep on doing it. And if you feel the need to impress someone, remember the best way to do that is just shut up and get the job done So if you're proud of what you've done to someone else Don't come crying when they do it to you 
Turn about a fair play What goes around comes back around If you ain't the only one Who can do what you do So before you go telling everybody Everything that you have done And to who If you're proud of what you've done To someone else Well, don't come crying to me When they do it to you Now I don't require a trophy or rewards I realize they may look good on a shelf But if you really know what the hell you're doing Then your results will speak for themselves If you need praise or attention Well, here's some advice for you, my friend If you're proud of yourself, you'll have no problem Doing it again and again So if you're proud of what you've done to someone else Don't come crying when they do it to you Yeah, turn about is fair play What goes around comes back around If you ain't the only one who can do what you do So before you go telling everybody Everything that you have done and to who If you're proud of what you're doing to someone else Well, don't come crying when they do it to you Yeah, if you're proud of what you've done to someone else Well, don't come crying when they do it to you You're listening to the weekly podcast of the Church of Common Sense's Countdown of the Sins That Will Do You In, and I'm Brother Chuck here for the pulpit to tell you about sin number three now as we continue our countdown. And today, we've got a rarity. Yes, on the week that ends with November 11th being Veterans Day, I've got to tell you, it's rare that we are able to combine two sins into one subject. But today we can do that with the sins of ignorance and arrogance. Because at this point, with our government, I don't know which is worse, especially with the situation involving Israel, the Gaza Strip, and Hamas. Is it our ignorance to not know just how the world views it? Or is it our arrogance to think that anybody gives a damn? And you know, it's quite ironic that this podcast ends on the week of Veterans Day because World War I, the 11th day, the 11th month, the 11th hour was when the armistice was signed. I'm amazed that some people took Friday off as Veterans Day and then worked on Saturday, which was the true Veterans Day. I'm sure some of this might have had to do with the fact of retail establishments and things like that. But take, for instance, garbage dumps. In areas where there are controlled dumpsters and you can only bring your garbage on certain days, one particular state observed Veterans Day on Friday, but then the dumpsters were open on Saturday, which was the actual Veterans Day. This boggles my mind. But again, it goes hand in hand with the sin of ignorance and arrogance. 
But back to the subject at hand. The Israel-Gaza Strip slash Hamas situation. I mean, have, have we become so ignorant that, that we don't see the way the rest of the world views us? I keep hearing on the news more and more reports, well, why can't America stop this? How come we can't make them cease fire? Yeah, right? I mean, number one, are we ignorant enough to think that the United States can just tell Israel what to do? Or number two, are we arrogant enough to think that Israel gives a damn about what we think when we should tell them to stop. I mean, for God's sake, here's a region, I don't call it a, a land or a country, this region called the Gaza Strip, populated by Palestinians and controlled by the Hamas, which is a terrorist organization for years, attacked them and killed 14, 1,500 of their people, have several hostage right now. So what does Israel do? They fight back. And we said, you know, it would be nice if you ease up a little bit. You know, if, if I were Benjamin Netanyahu, I think I'd just extend the middle finger to Joe Biden and everybody that suggests we ease up a little bit. These people came across the border unprovoked and killed innocent citizens beheaded babies, raped women, all because they could. So Israel, in the meantime, says, okay, here's what we'll do. We're going to stop everything for four hours. That'll give anybody a chance to leave that wants to leave. Now, in four hours and one minutes, we're going to start bombing the hell out of this place. If you want to leave, go on and leave now. We're giving you four hours. And some of our elected officials say, well, that's not enough. And if I was Israel, I'd say, F you. Who cares? You don't tell us what to do. I mean, are we that arrogant? Are we that ignorant to think that after someone attacks their country, Israel is going to give a damn what we say do? Well, guess what the Palestinians did? It looked like a Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner movie. Palestinians rushing south by the tens of thousands, most of them on foot because they're too poor to have any kind of transportation. After announcing that they were destroying 130 tunnels in the Gaza Strip and were killing every terrorist they could find and weren't going to ask if they were a terrorist or not, Israel said, okay, we're going to pause fighting for four hours. It looked like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Bing! Away they went. W wouldn't you? If somebody came in and told me, listen, here's the deal. You got four hours to get out of here, or we're going to start bombing the hell out of this place. I'd be packing Walmart bags and throwing them in a pickup left and right, gassing up and heading out. You don't ask questions. The Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has absolutely ruled out a long ceasefire. Cutter's trying to get involved and negotiate the release of some hostages. Israel says, screw it. We're just going to kill them all. Now, questions of what will happen when the fighting's done are swirling around. Netanyahu said the military will likely maintain security. But how about this? 
Our idiot Secretary of State said that Gaza's post-war plans should include a Palestinian-led government? (laughs) Hey there, we're from the U.S. government. We're here to help you. Yeah. You're going to tell Israel that they need to let the Palestinians run things after the Palestinians let Hamas invade their country and kill thousands of people. I don't. Are you just that ignorant or are you just that arrogant? So as I say, ladies and gentlemen, it is a rare combination of two, two, two sins in one, ignorance and arrogance, and it involves a good old U.S. government saying, how you doing? You're from the government. We're here to help you. Brother Chuck from the pulpit of the Church of Common Sense. here from the pulpit of the Church of Common Sense as we continue with our countdown of the top five sins that will do you in in the week ending November 11th. Can you believe that the election of 2024 is now less than a year away? <laughs> Occupying the number two slot on uh, this countdown 
is the sin of greed. Good old-fashioned greed. Yes, election time is coming. I know we're a year away. But could the year 2024 be the savior for many media rags out there, among them the Washington Post? Well, Mr. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, is certainly hoping for. You know, he bought the Washington Post a while back. And uh, he bought it because he said he believes in the freedom of the press. He loves newspapers. But let's face it, so far it's been a money loser for him. However, 2024 could turn things around. Now, listen, I'm going to be the first to tell you. In the broadcast industry, we in the radio business love election years. Because the candidates advertise and they have to spend money. And there's this... There's this false belief that you must give a candidate the lowest rate that you give any advertiser on the station. That is true. That's an FCC requirement. However, a good, savvy, educated broadcaster knows how to get around that. There's several loopholes, and I'm not going to go into them here. Long story short, elections are a boon for media types, be they broadcast industry or the printed press, as is WAPO, the Washington Post. They've been trying to turn things around up there, but could Donald Trump be the savior of the Washington Post in 2024 like he was when he was president? The Post has hired an industry veteran, William Lewis, as their new CEO and publisher. Bezos bought the Post in 2013 for $250 million. And the Post was on a roll then. President Donald Trump was in the headlines, reaching a peak of some 3 million digital subscribers in 2020, the Post did. But then when Trump left office in 2016, guess what happened to the digital numbers? <whistles> digital readership plunged 28%, as did the advertisers. The subscriber base has fallen to a paltry 2.5 million. And the Post and Mr. Bezos, its owner, are on track right now to lose $100 million this year. Now, this is reported by the New York Times, which is, of course, loving every moment of this because they're the competition. Missed revenue goals, low employee morale were what got the attention of Jeff Bezos, who took a renewed interest in the Post in January after being hands-off for several years. In a letter to journalists last month, Bezos, Mr. Amazon, wrote that he is as committed to the future of the Post as ever, but was quick to stress it's important that the paper become profitable and in a hurry. So enter William Lewis into the picture. The relevant experience section of Lewis's resume would uh, run well over a full page of the Post itself. Since William Lewis has, been, uh, Lewis has been the CEO of the Wall Street Journal parent Dow Jones, the editor of the Daily Telegraph, and the co-founder of the startup news movement, he's done quite well. As a matter of fact, he's done so well, he was even knighted earlier this year. I'm not kidding. He's now Sir William Lewis. Lewis is going to try to capitalize on interest around the upcoming presidential election, hoping that Donald Trump will continue to be the front runner. Now, I don't know what you're thinking, but 
Isn't Trump facing a lot of legal trouble? Could he possibly be on trial as he's running for president? Possibly. Will that keep the American public from voting for him? Probably not. A certain segment of America loves Donald Trump. He's a scoundrel. He's an admitted scoundrel. He tricks the system to benefit himself. He's an arrogant, egotistical billionaire who's not afraid to tell you that he's a billionaire. He's got a pretty wife who hails from Russia. He's got good-looking kids. He has manipulated the system to make billions for himself. But he knows business. And he knows the American people. Donald Trump is quick to get their attention because he says what they're thinking. Trump, albeit a billionaire, is able to go out into the field and socialize with Joe Schmo out there and talk about the woes that the American blue-collar worker is going through and make them feel better about themselves. And you've got to own up to the fact that while Trump was president, middle America did much better. Now, adding to the woes that, you know, Joe Biden will be 172 years old his next birthday or something like that. I mean, good God, Joe Biden is old even in dog years, for God's sakes. Trump's not young, but he's a lot more younger than Biden. And then there's that whole Kamala Harris factor with people sitting there thinking, okay, if Joe can't make it four years, and it has nothing to do with the color of her skin, or does it? Doesn't matter. They just don't want her. They don't want a laughing hyena woman as president should Joe all of a sudden eat one too many Big Macs and keel over on the floor. But the subject here is greed. And Jeff Bezos, Mr. Amazon, knows a little bit about greed. He is one of the richest people on earth. Even as greedy as he is, as, I should say as rich as he is, uh, he still wants the investment to make money. And let's face it, Donald Trump will be good for readership of the Washington Post. They were kind of a Trump supporter before and an ally of uh, the former president who hopes to be president again. So we'll see. Good old-fashioned greed. It may be just what the Washington Post needs and what Jeff Bezos needs to help give America the middle finger and say, Trump, you. Brother Chuck here from the pulpit of the Church of Common Sense. Well, poor little thing on election day, things didn't seem to turn out your way. Crooked Hillary lost, and now you feel like you are too. If you think I give a damn, you're wrong. I'll make it very clear in this song. I got two things to say, and that's Trump you. You can cry, you can whine, you can protest. You can pout, you can moan, pound your fist. Say you ain't gonna have it. Do what you want to. The people have spoken, they said it quite loud. As for me, I'll be quite proud to look you in the eye and say, Trump you. Oh, Trump you, and the agenda you wrote in on. Trump your attitude, Trump your friend. If that ain't a 
enough truck you again You can get mad, go kick a stump Better off you can go get Trump Your nightmare has come true Trump news Too bad, so sad, I'm glad you're mad Hope you enjoy what you had Sorry to rub it in, but I got to gonna be the same and I don't care if it's me you blame you won't hear me complain when I say Trump you yeah Trump, Trump you. you and the agenda you wrote in on Trump your attitude Trump your friends if that ain't enough Trump, Trump you again you can get mad go kick a stump better off you can go, go get Trump. Trump your nightmare has come true so Trump you It's our official countdown of the sins of the week. The sins that will do you in here from Brother Chuck and the Church of Common Sense. And for the week ending November the 11th, which, by the way, is the traditional Veterans Day. I say that because it all goes back to World War One and the signing of the armistice at the 11th day on the 11th month at the 11th hour to end World War One. And up for the longest time, that's when we celebrated Veterans Day. Well, of course, they moved it around because the government wanted a three-day work week, but I'm not even sure that's important anymore. Of course, you know, Veterans Day will be officially celebrated on Monday since it falls on Saturday this year, but I'm not even sure that's important anymore. I'm watching the other day a report that says soon the five-day work week, which was signed into law back in the day, I want to say by Franklin Roosevelt, the five-day work week is going away, And, and it's probably already gone away where a lot of you are concerned. People don't work five days a week anymore. I mean, you're lucky if they show up at all on on Friday. And if they do, they work half a day. Monday's a throwaway day. Now, uh, some employers are saying, okay, you can work from home, you know, two or three days a week. So who knows with advanced technology, uh, able to, the artificial intelligence, which uh, we're going to talk about in great detail over the next weeks and how dangerous that's getting. As a matter of fact, that occupies the number one slot on our countdown of the sins that will do you in this week. Let's talk about the sin of apathy where AI or artificial intelligence is concerned. I saw this the other day and it immediately got my attention. It's a throwback to the old running joke, hey baby, got any naked pictures of yourself? You gonna buy some? But it's getting pretty serious these days, especially where teenagers and underage children are concerned. Deep fake porn running rampant on the internet. And one of the latest epicenters is a high school, that's right, a high school in New Jersey. Police are investigating an incident at the Westfield High School in New Jersey after boys circulated artificial intelligence generated images 
showing the faces of their female classmates on naked bodies of other females. Now, it's unclear what will be done if the perpetrators will be punished because of the questions surrounding the legality of the transgression. You see, they did this using AI or artificial intelligence. Neither federal law nor most of the state laws in the United States as of today have anything on the books concerning artificial intelligence, especially deep fake porn. Now, how did this get around us? I mean, the first thing you've got to ask yourself is, what the hell? I mean, did the government, I mean, do they have their head that far up their ass that they didn't think this could go on? Did this just escape the most intelligent minds that we elected to oversee our country? Apparently it did. A New Jersey state senator has asked county prosecutors to take notice of what's going on with deep fake porn. Now imagine you have a teenage daughter or a teenage granddaughter, as in many of our cases with those that are getting a little bit older these days. And you go on the internet and you see a cleverly placed picture of your beautiful daughter or granddaughter on a naked body. Well, the first thing she's going to do, I didn't do this. This is not me. I'm not naked. Still, how does that cause people to look at her in the hallways of the school, on the playground at school when she goes out for a date? They want to see her naked to see if it's the real thing. It's gotten out of control. And we have let this get by us, that there are no laws, there's no punishment for this, because basically it's saying, well, I didn't do it, uh, AI did it. That's the new excuse. I didn't do it, it was AI. It wasn't me, artificial intelligence did it. Blame Alexa, blame Siri, blame whatever this new chatbot thing is Elon Musk is going to release. Get a load of this. More than 90% of online deep fakes are porn. It's not just putting a face on a fat body or a fat body on somebody just to make fun of them like kids used to do. It's porn. According to the image detection firm Sensitivity AI, as of September, apparently the creeps had already uploaded 50% more deep fake porn videos this year than in all of 2022. Now, here's the first thing you're going to think, and me too. Okay, so they're keeping track of this, but yet we don't have a law. We don't have a system in place to protect it. I mean, what the hell? In recent instances, a stranger virtually undressed a woman's Instagram mirror selfie. Another Wisconsin man threatened minors with nude deep fakes. More than 30 girls in Spain targeted by classmates with fake nudes. How is this happening? Though the big name image generators, the open AIs like Dolly and Adobe's Firefly, have certain guardrails that stop users from making porn, there are countless online face swapping and undressing tools that use publicity available software that you can get for free to do this. And then there's this Elon Musk recently said he's releasing a new chat box. And 
was quoted as saying, now this is Elon Musk, this guy's pretty sharp. Elon Musk was quoted as saying, there's going to come a point when no job is needed. You can have a job if you want for personal satisfaction, but basically artificial intelligence can do everything, including show naked pictures of you that aren't really of you. My friend, we cannot be apathetic to what's really going on in the crazy mixed up world. Somebody has to get somebody by the shirt collar and jerk them around and say, yeah, got to do something like this. Some of these people have to go to jail. But amazingly, there are no laws on the books right now when it concerns to deep fake porn and artificial intelligence. You can take someone's face, put it on someone's body, parade it around the Internet as being true. And believe it or not, it has escaped Congress and the Senate to deal with this. How in the hell could that be possible? Boggles my mind, and I'm sure it does yours. Apathy, our number one sin of the week. From the Church of Common Sense and Brother Chuck's I Didn't Do It Files. in one of them situations that seems to defy all reasonable explanation like a turtle on a fence post you ain't got a clue all you know is things don't look good and everybody's looking at you when it comes time to man up you know there's just one way look your accuser in the eye and say It wasn't me What you thought you saw You didn't see Must have been my double Or my evil twin Cause I didn't do it And I'm never gonna do it again When a little white line Leaves you caught red-handed Just say things are way too complicated To understand It's too unbelievable to be true Besides, you wouldn't need an excuse Not if they trusted you The details may be sketchy But one thing's clear Things are really not as they appear Say I didn't do it It wasn't me What you thought you saw You didn't see for my evil twins I didn't do it And I'm never gonna do it again Yeah, it's your problem Even if it ain't your fault The only thing you did wrong Was to get caught When you get way more attention than you need Just remind them that perception ain't reality Thought you saw, you didn't see. Must have been my double or my evil twin. Cause I didn't do it, and I'm never gonna do it again. No, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Mm, what you thought you saw, you didn't see. Must have been my double or my evil twin. 
Slap 